0: Your legacy. It's what you're going to leave behind when you leave this world. And the question is, what's it going to look like? Will your legacy be muddled with your estate and your family in disarray and your children not speaking to each other? Or will it be a blessing? I think all of us as ranch
1: owners want to provide a blessing as a legacy to our to the
0: next generation and to our lives, and, and not a burden. Dan Childs with the Noble Research Institute is my guest as we go through seven considerations in the succession planning of your ranch or estate. Sometimes hard decisions, as you mentioned, have to be made.
1: But if mom and dad makes those decisions, the heirs may not exactly really like that but they will respect it.
0: Each of the seven considerations we'll talk through will build on the next. It's all the ingredients you'll want to consider if you want your legacy to be a blessing rather than a curse. On this episode of The Working Ranch Radio Show. hi everyone this is the working ranch radio show i'm justin mills we're glad to have you joining us on our program today this is episode 130 and it just seems like we kind of keep hitting more milestones as we go along in here it was november of 2020 when i started hosting the show here and since that time we're knocking on the door of 300,000 downloads of the working ranch radio show and not only I'm, I, I cautiously say that because i really don't want that to be something where i'm kind of tooting my horn What I'm trying to tell you is that I I think we've got some programs out there that are extremely relevant to folks, all of us here in the ranching industry. There are programs that I've done, you know, a year two years ago that are still relevant today. That's kind of the purpose of some of the shows that we do, that they do have some legs on them, that no matter when you listen to them, you're going to find some relevance in them. And as a rancher myself here in Northeastern Wyoming, a lot of the subjects that we talk about here on the show are just that are things that I'm thinking about or that I'm working through here on our ranching operations that we have here. And I figure if it's something I'm dealing with, well, then more than likely other folks across the country are too. So we hope you enjoy that. By the way, it's also important if you like what you hear, or if you have questions or you don't like what you hear, let us know. You can send me an email at justin.workingranch@gmail.com, at gmail.com and we'll get back to you. We want to hear from you and we appreciate the response out there as well. Well, today's show is like that. It's a it's on a subject that really is a big issue for a lot of folks in the ranching industry and that is succession planning. It's it's a it's always a topic that creates a little bit of consternation within our family ranches in terms of how do we deal with those situations? We do know and proof is in the pudding here and that folks that some of these multi-generational ranches that we see that are moving on to 5 and 6 uh, generations, those are happening because those families have pretty much I guess so to speak taken the bull by the horns and figured out uh, Uh, some way to pass the ranch on in a way that uh, hopefully doesn't burn too many bridges that's kind of the key in a lot of this because as i talked about in the opening is what's your legacy going to be what's that going to look like when we're when we go on and uh, and our families here to pick up the pieces are there going to be a lot of pieces that they got to pick up and put back together or is that going to be done for them in such a way that those those relationships can stay together and that ranch can be passed on in a healthy way my guest today dan childs with the noble research institute will be joining us him here today He has a wealth of information and knowledge on this subject as he deals as an ag economist by trade, but also with the Noble Research Institute. A lot of those folks there serve as consultants to many folks across the country. This is a subject that he has seen on many, many occasions. And so bringing us that experience, that knowledge that he has, we're going to be going through seven different things to be considering when you're looking at ranch succession planning and how to go about that. And some of this is tough. If it was super easy, it probably would wouldn't be our show that we'd have because everybody could be doing it uh, but at the nevertheless this is a very tough subject to go through and i think there's going to be some things you hear today That maybe you're the next generation looking at taking on the ranch or or wanting to take on the ranch. There'll be some things in there for you. Maybe you're the one looking at, man, how do I do this? I've got multiple kids, and how do we how do we handle this in such a way that we don't offend anybody or don't hurt anybody's feelings? But sometimes tough decisions gotta be made. We're gonna be talking about all of those kinds of things today on the seven things to be considered when you're looking at ranch succession planning. Again, Dan Childs with the Noble Research Institute will be my guest here today also as he does in each and every show meteorologist don day will be stepping in towards the bottom of our show to give us a look at our long-term weather and what he is anticipating for weather across the country for the next week or so out now if by chance you have to step away from the radio before we get to the full you get to listen to the entire show well there's a simple solution to that and if you're familiar with podcasts and any podcast provider out there we're out there on that workingranchradio.com is directly into our podcast site where you can go and you can download the show. You can listen to it on your leisure. Maybe like for a lot of folks, if you're in agriculture, sometime you're in areas that doesn't have great cell reception or coverage or internet. So you can download the podcast and listen to it on your phone whenever you want to uh, at your particular leisure. Well, let's check in with the Captain Tim O'Byrne, publisher and editor of Working Ranch Magazine. Last week, he was busy getting the next issue of Working Ranch Magazine ready to go and published and sent off it'll be coming to your mailbox here shortly but let's check in with the captain tim O'Byrne, for this week's edition of tim's two cents
2: Hey, Justin. Hey, everybody out there in Working Ranch Radio Land. I see President Biden has created another national monument. This time it's a million acres in the Grand Canyon area. And the official announcement talks about the wildlife that live in the area and how important it is. And they mentioned bison. And I thought to myself, bison in the grand canyon i'm not too sure that's accurate i did a little bit of research and um, here's what what happened the present day kabai plateau bison herd originated from the charles jesse buffalo jones founder herd brought to arizona in 1906 arizona game and fish department managed the herd starting in 1929 at approximately 100 bison now that suggests to me that the bison were brought in by an entrepreneur and apparently they thrived and i know bison and they probably got out the first year and they just scattered and so it got me thinking why are you lumping this brought in established bison herd that has only been there 120 some odd years not even that And now you're kind of lumping them in with the wildlife thing. And that does not seem right to me. It's just my two cents. I'm wondering if anybody's kind of thinking the same thing. Because once you set that precedent, then it just goes on and on and on. Anyway, I'll let you folks think about that. Justin, I know you got a great show lined up for everybody. So hit it.
0: All right, thanks, Captain. And yeah, I think the real concern that you're alluding to there is, you know, what's the precedence that is being set now when we can take a, a herd of, of bison that was introduced into that area and now throw them in the lump of wildlife to be protected in this nat- new national monument down in the Grand Canyon area. So a real concern because where else then could they take that mindset and go to other places of the country and and start to incorporate introduced species that were not natural to that area now is being protected. Uh, so I think there's just a lot of concerns with that. And I think you're dead on to bring that to our attention here today. Now to kind of make maybe uh, to kind of lighten the mood just a little bit. So I guess if you're going to go to the Grand Canyon area, just remember, as Roger Miller says, you can't roller skate through a buffalo herd. So I guess on that note, let's do a quick thank you to our sponsors here today of the Working Ranch Radio Show. Vitalix, livestock is your livelihood. Tubs are our expertise. Vitalix, the true blue tub find out more at vitalix.com and inherent select from zoetis providing commercial cow calf producers with genetic insights to make replacement female selections and breeding decisions find out more at inheritprogress.com. and the american Gelvie association a highly fertile moderately framed cow that raises high performing calves even in tough environments now that's doing more with less the Gelvie cows efficient use of resources make her the picture of sustainability and today's today's modern beef industry find out more at gelve.org and tank toad your remote water monitoring system all from the convenience of your phone powered by solar satellite and cell keep an eye on your water supply with the daily text called metal arc solutions today for tank monitors well controllers generators and more find out more give them a call at 802-252-6135 or head to their website at tanktoad.com it's what we use here on the x-ring ranch and Tell him you heard it here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Well, stay with us. Coming up next, Dan Childs with the Noble Research Institute joins us as we go through the seven things to consider when we're talking ranch succession and planning. We'll be back on the Working Ranch Radio Show after this. There are
1: lots of nutrition tubs out there, but none can match the true blue commitment of VitalX. Our tubs offer you the most concentrated nutrition at the lowest cost per day. That means more profit for your operation and improved performance for your cow herd. In fact, research shows Vitalix tubs increase feed efficiency by 20%
0: while boosting conception rates, herd health, and weaning weights. Learn more at Vitalix.com. Vitalix, the true blue tub. And welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills as we continue now and head into our featured interview for today. And when we get into our this particular issue, this is no doubt a very, uh, probably I would consider to be one of the bigger issues when it comes to uh, ranching for family ranches. And that is... Who's going to take over the ranch? What is the succession plan? Joining me here today is Dan Childs with the Noble Research Institute. He is an ag economist, but uh, for a lot of folks there at the Noble Research Institute, uh, serve as consultants to a lot of folks across the country when it comes to various different ranching issues. Today, Dan, we're glad to have you joining us here today on the Working Ranch Radio Show.
1: Thank you, Justin. Appreciate the invitation, looking forward to it.
0: Well, this, as I said, as I started out this particular segment, we've said uh, earlier in the show, this is a big issue for our ranching industry, and I know you deal with a lot of different ranchers across the country, but no doubt, probably one of the biggest issues that comes across your desk, I'm guessing. It
1: it is, Justin. You know, the age of the average rancher in America continues to uh, get older every year. And, and that's a good thing, but the baby boomer generation, which I'm a part of, is getting close to retirement and looking for someone else, hopefully a family member, coming on to take the operation over. And and so there's going there's going to be a lot of of uh, ranching operations transition mm-hmm. to the next to the next generation, whether it be fa- family or uh, non-family members, but uh, a, a large portion. I'm going to say in the next ten to fifteen years is mm-hmm. is going to going to change m- management during that time period.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, and Dan too. One of the things I, in this, and I even find it with my own self. I'm still a ways off from where we're going to be transitioning my operation to the next generation. But at the same time, also getting into a mindset of thinking. You know, we're going to be putting, and I need to be considering putting things into place, into practice that I may never see the benefits of, you know, in terms of it, it's not something that is going to affect me while I'm living. It's going to be something for the next generation. That in itself is kind of a, a real mindset to, to get through.
1: Well, you know, many of us have worked hard at putting an operation together and, you know, we're somewhat attached to it beyond it just being a business. It's, you know, we, we kind of considered a way of life. And so, you know, the challenge we have with the, our owners of these operations today, th- the next generation or someone else doesn't always share the same passion and the same commitment and dedication for uh, running a, a ranching operation ha- as we do. I mean, they've not been there to put the quarter sections together or, or the de- Properties together, or, or the mix of enterprises that that we now and have come up with, and so having the next generation share that same passion is somewhat of a a challenge. And I know there's younger people out there with that same passion. We just we just have to find them.
0: Yeah. And I think, too, Dan, one of the things you deal with in some of that is the generation that might be in control of the estate right now, ultimately in control of the estate. It took a lot of blood, sweat and tears to get to where they're at. And I think there's some element of that of does the next generation taking that over appreciate that?
1: Very, very good observation. And two, with the as we've worked hard to put these operations together, the owners today, that you know, the investment that we have is is much greater with the increase in land values and equipment is cost you know cattle's hired today and just the size of an of a ranching operation Mm -hmm. today is is such that it requires some real business management skills in my opinion Mm -hmm. this generation have kind of grew, grew up growing with those increased demands and it 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 is hard to you know if you've got you know 5 million 10 million mm-hmm. 30 million kind of ranching operations giving control of of, of that much <laughs> financial assets is hard for some yeah. of the the current operators and you know there there's a huge difference in you know transferring assets to the next generation versus transferring a business mm-hmm. it takes a lot longer it takes a lot of planning to transition that business to where you want it to be successful you know as you accurately mentioned there many of the owners uh, and operators today have put a lot of blood sweat into these operations and wise decisions to get them where they are today. And it's hard to give those the reins up to someone that hadn't went through that much effort, as you as you mentioned.
0: Mm-hmm. So our, our program here today, as we've kind of intro this and kind of set the foundation for what we're going to be talking about and a little for discussion here, is going through about seven steps that you guys have put together in some ways or some things for considerations when folks are looking at some succession type planning. The first one I'm going to start out here, and I, and I find this interesting because I think this ultimately is a very f- pivotal point in the succession planning, is that is to think about your legacy. What are you wanting to leave behind? That is step one. And I, th- I feel that really is very foundational and very pivotal to start off with.
1: Well, you know, I think all of us as ranch owners want to provide a blessing As a legacy to our to the next generation and to our lives and and not a burden. And so I I think that's the process we have to think through is, is that is not binding the next generation to something that that we feel near and dear hearts. You know, we, we want to bless them. And not burden we say well you can't you know you can't sell any land or you have to do this or we we tend to want to manage the operation from the grave mm-hmm. and sometimes I, I i wanted to say often but i'll just say sometimes that really creates a burden uh it, it limits flexibility and creativity in the next generation that uh, may, may need it in order to survive. And so that legacy that we want to, to leave, I think for most of us is a blessing. And and sometimes it's hard to distinguish between that legacy of a blessing and a, and a burden just because we, we don't want anything to happen to the operation. We've operated it successfully. But, you know, if we lived another 40 years, you, you know, we may not be successful doing the same thing we've done mm-hmm. for the last 40
0: Mm -hmm. So then it moves us into the second thing. And as I went through these seven things, I I find that it's interesting because they're almost purposely, well, I know they're purposely in order because the next thing is to have tough conversations. And I I come to that point really from two sides. I've got my family side where my folks have passed away and realizing the importance that some of these tough conversations need to happen now because they won't happen at in, in a very good way once the parents are gone. And I think those tough conversations are good for both sides. It's good for the kids, it's good for the parents, all in all, but at the same time, it's a tough conversation.
1: You know, just as you started the radio broadcast today, Justin, you, you, you kind of told your audience, well, this is what we're gonna talk about today. And you set somewhat of what their expectations are gonna be <laughs> for this radio broadcast. And, and the same thing applies when we're thinking about that transition is, is if, if we can help manage the next generation's expectations of, of what's going to happen in the future, then there's a, a much likelier chance of success. And because if, if you've got children or grandchildren that don't want to have any, any part of the ranching operation, the sooner you know that, the better because you you might you may have said, "Well, you know, I got three grandsons, and you know they all have fun when they come and they enjoy being here, but it's really hard in today's work environment to attract these young kids back to a ranch where you know it may be twenty thirty fifty miles from you know from the nearest Walmart and these sons and daughters. Get married, and sometimes their spouses have different ideas, and you've got to you've got to respect that. And so, if you can have that conversation earlier rather than later, it will give you much more planning time mm-hmm. to to address some maybe issues that you didn't think think you had. And and so, early communication, often communication and and we encourage that that communication period not to not to happen at, well everybody's home at christmas so mm-hmm. we'll we'll talk about what's going to happen to the ranch and and usually that's not a good time mm-hmm. to have those kind of conversations it, it's best just to schedule one and invite some you know your family either to the ranch you can have it off site but communication is is so important in planning that transition of the ranch to the next generation.
0: Mm-hmm. you bet this conversation our, our topic here today is going to i know is going to hit home for a lot of folks dan childs with the noble research institute is my guest here today we are talking succession planning we still have a lot to talk about we're going through seven things that they suggest folks to kind of be go through when you're considering succession planning and how to go about in that process we've covered a couple things we're going to continue on when we return here on the working ranch radio show A sustainable ranch is one that can do more with less. And for beef producers, it can start right at the herd level with a cow that's efficient with her resources and environment. And in today's modern industry, Gelby females are the picture of sustainability. Gelby and Balancer cattle are early maturing with maternal superiority through increased longevity, added fertility, and more pounds of calf wean per cow exposed. Adaptable, versatile, and sustainable. All factors that have a positive impact Impact on your bottom line. Gelvey influenced females, the smart, reliable, and profitable maternal choice for achieving sustainability in today's modern beef industry. Be sustainable. Breed Gelvey. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. My guest today is Dan Childs with the Noble Research Institute. He is an ag economist there. Also, uh, for a lot of those folks there, of course, they serve as consultants to ranchers all across the country. We are talking about considerations that you might be needing to think about on passing the ranching operation down to the next generation, some steps and things to be considering in that. And we've already covered a couple things, two very pivotal, very foundational things. For example, is What kind of legacy do you want to leave uh, when you leave behind? And then also, t- we were just as we finished up the last segment, having those tough conversations. That's something that needs to occur not only between for the kids uh, or the next generation, but also for the parents as well. Dan, as you were talking about that, before we get into the next step that we're going to be looking at, I, just a, th- a side note on that. And, and when we talk about having those tough conversations, I think part of that also is what are some realistic expectations that need to come out in the those tough conversations that in itself needs to be considered I I guess one of the things I think about is that if the default is to split the place up equally among the siblings that may not always be the best from a from a management element for that operation so there has to be some realistic conversations realistic expectations in those tough conversations
1: that's a great point Justin and and I, I always Try to remind the ranchers I work with that are planning a transition of the ranch to, to realize that even though maybe a, a decision is made or in the, in the communication process that sometimes hard decisions, as you mentioned, have to be made. But if, if mom and dad makes those decisions, the heirs, kids, grandkids may not exactly really like that but they will respect it. Yep. And so mom and dad you know really has a responsibility when when there's like undivided interest concerns or who gets this or who gets that if there's not one heir that's going to really take on the whole op- operation and so if mom and dad can just make those hard decisions while they're alive the kids may not like it, but they will respect it. Mm-hmm. And too many times I've seen siblings try to make those decisions on their own and and wind up really only speaking to each other through their attorneys for the rest of their lives. And that's such a sad situation. And it gets back to what we mentioned earlier about I think all parents want to bless their heirs and not burden them. And so that's a result of those those communication efforts, those having those hard decisions and and trying to manage the expectations of the next generation or or two. And so it's just paramount, Mm -hmm. I think, for a successful transition plan to include that communication piece early on Mm -hmm. if if they can. So,
0: Yep, very well said. And I, I think these tough conversations might have more of an impact on the legacy. The first thing we talked about, too, in yeah. some ways. So let's get to the next step here. We've uh, still got about five more to go here. Identifying the successor is one of the steps. And and again, this is a tough situation. This is tough sometimes, especially when you got multiple family members. But that's one of the steps that needs to happen.
1: Exactly, Justin. And, and again, sometimes there is not a a family member that agrees to be a successor and as disappointing as that might be to mom and dad again if if that family member that that mom and dad had planned to be the successor does not want that and and you know they learn of that in a reading of a will or when the when the trust documents gets opened as a surprise then you know what chance Of the business of ranching, what chance does that has to be successful when you've got a successor that does not want to be a successor? And sometimes having that conversation and identifying that successor exposes some information and some some preferences of heirs that maybe mom and dad didn't realize existed. And so it's so important to again to identify that successor as early as possible because we talked briefly earlier about the difference between transferring and transitioning a a business versus just say ranch assets because that successor unless they've been working in the ranch on the ranch uh, for a number of years and possibly you know even then if if that successor has not been involved in making some of the business decisions, the risk management decisions, the marketing decisions, the credit decisions that they've just been feeding the cows and, and, and making sure that they get bred and, and during the production issues of the, of the operating the ranch then, you know, they've had no exposure to the business. And that's very important if it's going to be successful into the future.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, and I know this is not the show we're going to get into it, but I do want to point folks to episode 115. It was a legal perspective on estate planning that I did with Dal Houston. He actually is also out of Oklahoma as well, an attorney out of Oklahoma, but he really talked about some of these, some of the business side of transferring the estate, you know, business, you know, transferring the business versus the assets and some things like that. That's something we're going to get in here today but it kind of touches in in this particular subject. Dan you talked a little bit about the business side of it well then let's get into the business side because we really need to be looking then at what is what are we passing on are we passing on a business or are we passing on a hobby because that was a subject that I've brought up at different times from from as ranchers because I really push us as a ranching industry that we need to be profitable we need to be doing things in a way that that we see sustainability in a long-term standpoint with passing these ranches to the next generation. So when we look at that from a business side of things, we need to get into the books side of this and look at the profitability of the ranch.
1: Great question and observation, Justin. Two different situations come to mind quickly as you you bring this subject up as to where a couple of situations where the the parents were were very successful business people in a, a, a different industry and And they had sizable ranches that really uh, were hobbies to them. I mean they had had, had built nice residences there. they were kind of went on weekends and got to enjoy the, the the country life and the fresh air and and but they were well, they were being subsidized quite heavily. and so wh- when that conversation come up with the next generation about well, you know, are you going to take this on? Are you going to operate as a business? When the the books were opened up, and the next generation realized, hey, you, you know, you're subsidizing this operation, but the next generation's got to understand if if the ranch is profitable, and how profitable can it sustain me at, at the uh, standard of living that I'm used to or or want to have. And so that, that information has got to be known by the succeeding
0: operator-hmm yeah for sure and, and it's that's some of that stuff's a little tough as, as a lot of these things are I, I you know our second point was having those tough conversations I think all of these <laughs> can be tough in some ways my guest today is Dan childs with the noble in- Research Institute he is an AG economist there and a consultant we are going to continue on we're talking about succession planning here we've got a couple more steps to be in consideration of we're going to talk about them and continue on when we return here on the The Working Ranch Radio Show.
1: Every year you pick your replacement heifers. Some
3: become profitable cows. Others disappoint. How can you make more reliable selections? Genetic testing. Commercial cow-calf producers like you are
1: using Inherit Select from Zoetis. You gain valuable predictions, including cow fertility, size and soundness, feed efficiency, growth and carcass merit as well as easy to use economic indexes. This improves your selection, breeding, and marketing decisions. Request a call from InheritProgress.com
3: and ask about free TSUs to get you started.
0: And welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills as we continue with our topic here today as it's uh, on a tough subject for a lot of us and, and it's a subject that every ranch family is probably going to have to uh, go through at some point or if they haven't already. And that is is on succession planning. And uh, it, it all started as we began here today. One of the first steps is what is the legacy that we want to leave behind? And my guest today, again, is Dan Childs with the Noble Research Institute. He's an ag economist there, and and Dan, we've had some great discussions here. I, I as we get into these next steps, one of the things is this next one is is fi- assemble a team, and I think that's one thing that really causes some hesitancy with folks is because oh my word, it's so expensive for you know an attorney and then an accountant and and then putting all that together. And I can come from my own family's background here; it can cost an awful lot of money. It can actually, I can tell you, it costs more money to do it wrong than to do it early before and get it done right Uh, that's my experience in that particular deal but when we talk about uh, uh, putting together a very knowledgeable team expand on that just a little bit
1: well i think that the challenge that many of us have is is as Retiring ranch owners and operators is the fact that throughout our lifetime we've kind of learned to be an electrician and a plumber and a mechanic and and a veterinarian and <laughs> yeah. you, you know we, we wear many hats mm-hmm. and, and you know we we kind of only hire things done when when it becomes a necessity and we can't do it ourselves but but when it comes to To planning your estate and planning to who's going to operate the farm next that those generally are skills and knowledge that we don't many of us don't have and so to your point about it's a lot cheaper to get it done right the first time than it is to to, to try to fix it the second or third times and so assembling up you know a, a good attorney and a and a tax practitioner and i'm gonna i'm gonna kind of emphasize one word okay. here so as we share that And that and that word is when i encourage people to hire an attorney or a, a tax practitioner i encourage them to, to hire someone that's competent in agricultural issues because all cpas and all attorneys uh, are not created equal you know some of them are very good experts and skilled and oil and gas are schedule c businesses are international work and and you know they have their own expertise and so agriculture is, is a is a unique animal and so i would just encourage people to definitely assemble them a team you know maybe they're ag lender, an attorney a, a tax practitioner, but all of them, I would say, needs to be competent in agricultural issues because they they are somewhat unique. And so, it sometimes it may be like some of us we say in a country like finding hen's teeth. It's mm-hmm. rare, mm-hmm. but definitely put together a team. And yeah, writing that check is is hard to to do. And but you know that's that's their profession. They they keep up with it. And especially as as we're entering the next few years, that, you know, the current tax law is going to change, It is going to expire at the end of 2025. And so, you know, maybe the best made plans today will not be the best made ones in 2026. That could all change. You know, we can't predict. Or out guess what Congress is going to do, but but we do know that the current legislation, as we know it today, is going to going to expire, mm-hmm. and so there's even a greater need to assemble that team, that competent team, together to keep you abreast of and knowledgeable of the of the latest tax legislation and the tax issues Mm
0: -hmm. well and that leads us right into our next step here and that's revisit your plans and you know once once this is set it's not something you just tuck away in the deal i mean great it's it's the biggest the biggest hurdle has been done but at the same time it does require every couple of three years or so pull that back out make some changes or modifications that need to be done as well so revisiting the plans is a big good step as well
1: Exactly, great point, Justin. And you know, people's lives change. In, in addition to tax legislation, and uh, you, you know, people die, people get married, kids get born. You know, and and life happens, and and that's a good thing. And so, so just the kind of one and done attitude about preparing a will or a trust or or creating an LLC is you might think, well, we breathe a great sigh of relief and say, wow, you know, I'm sure glad that's done. We've been needing to do that for a long time. But and you need to be proud of getting that that all done the, the first time, because a, a lot of times, you know, we learn so much just going through the process. And again, that goes back to assembling a good team and having that communication. And if if we can keep things transparent and out on the table and having competent advisors you know a, a dreadful process becomes a lot easier because we we know we've got good information we know we're communicating with our heirs who we want to bless we're making good decisions and we're keeping abreast of changes and you, you know that's really all a person can do for his family and and again if if mom and dad can make make those decisions rather than letting the, the siblings do it. And, and I've heard too many times as mom and dad say, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to let the kids worry about it, which, in my opinion, is the, the very worst thing they can do, because I've seen families when that's happened, that siblings, I mean, it splits them up, unfortunately, that everybody wants the, the same asset. And when they're left to make those decisions themselves, it's usually turns out to be a less than an ideal situation
0: yep that's exactly for sure on that one yeah just one final step here in this and that was uh get going get get started on it i mean the worst thing we can do is listen here today and say you know what they said i 100 percent agree with that's a great idea and then just kind of forget about it and don't ever move forward on it but getting started on it is the is the last step and and Kind of critical to make sure this happens.
1: You know, they, they say, I've always heard that 75% of getting anything done is just getting started on it. And so I would encourage people, the very first step, you know, is to inventory your ranch. Be realistic about it. But don't say, well, all that land is just worth $1,000 or 500 or whatever, you know. Write it down. Know what the value is. Add up all the equipment, livestock. Your CDs, your investments, whatever they are, add them all up, come up with a number. And also in that process, when there's titles involved, whether it's vehicles, equipment, especially land, know how that's titled. Is it in uh, joint tenancy with rider survivorship? Is it sole proprietor? Is it tenants in common? How are those assets owned? And you can make your time with your team of advisors much more productive, much more efficient if you do some homework beforehand. But, but yeah, so many times we go to, to seminars and conferences, we read books and, and we learn about trust and wheels and, and the tax exemption levels and all these things. And then we go back home and we get busy baling hay and fixing fence and plowing and planting and we don't. Engage, and so yeah, you, you've got to you got to make that first step.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, Dan, I think this has been good. We're gonna about to shut things down here for this conversation here today, but I sure appreciate you coming on because I think, as I've said, and I continue to say this, this is a. Very very large issue to our industry, especially when we look, as you said, when we started our conversation here today. The average age of the American farmer rancher out there is setting up in such a way that we are going to see transitions that are happening and need to be happening at some point in in time. So it is a very very big issue, and, and for me, I, it's a big issue for two reasons. One is because I have went through this, going through this, and the second thing is is because I want to see these family ranches continue. I mean. You can take the word sustainability and you can put it in every element of our ranch, whether you want to talk about soil, whether you want to talk about your your livestock or whether you want to talk about your practices of it. But I also think about it in terms of sustainability for the long term of our industry as a whole, getting it to the next generation. So I think it's extremely important. And as you head out here today, just some final comments from you on this subject.
1: I would say that that we like to see. Families transition to the next generation. I do, and and we we sometimes look at at ranches, this it, you know century old ranches, or they're in their fourth generation. I'm a fifth generation rancher, and the, and those doesn't happen by accident. It takes planning. It takes dedication. It takes sacrifice. It takes mom and dad. Talking about some things that they just normally don't talk about, and that's that's difficult for them. It, it you can't just ice it over and say, "Well, you know, go do this," because it it's it's hard for them. It's not something we do each and every day to have these kind of conversations with the younger generation. And so, if you want that, you're ranching business, and I emphasize business on that. To continue on you can't say well i'm just going to give the ranch to to son joe or grandson tom and it happened you you, you've got to to train them to help them to be successful and with your mentoring and and it you know it, it takes a production and marketing cycle or two in order to to get them up to speed for for them to have the best chance of success. So the more planning, the more time we have to mentor that next generation to, to help them be successful that we want them to be, the earlier start, the better. Mm -hmm.
0: You bet. Well, Dan, I appreciate you taking the time to join us here on the Working Ranch Radio Show, a topic that, as I've said, is very, very important to our industry. And I appreciate your knowledge in this, your experience in this, and your words here today uh, to kind of guide us through some of these steps.
1: It's been a pleasure for me. Justin, and again, thanks for the invitation, and and I hope as a result of this, there's at least one person, and I hope more, that goes out there and and starts to work in in their transition plan.
0: Yeah, well, and and one thing I want to point out, too, is before we get too far here, if folks have questions about this, I know you guys have a lot of experience in this. How do they get a hold of you guys?
1: Our website is Mm -hmm. noble.org, www.noble.org. So you can visit there, our contact information, you can call in there and uh, we'd be happy to engage and help you achieve your succession planning goals.
0: You bet. Well, Dan, thanks for joining us here today on the Working Ranch Radio Show.
1: Yes, sir. Appreciate the invitation, Justin.
0: And again, my guest today, Dan Childs with the Noble Research Institute, joining us here today, giving us a lot to think about, working through those seven steps, each one building on the next. And as he said, there at the very end, it's uh, get started on it. It's never too late to get started on this. And as I had brought up uh, earlier in our conversation, from, from my own experience, I can tell you right now that once mom and dad are gone, it is a whole lot harder to do this kind of stuff. And it's a lot easier if mom and dad can be be a part of this and uh, be willing to rely what i feel is going to be very important in the legacy they leave is how they make this transition happen in such a way that the ranch can be sustainable in the long run and more than importantly probably is that the relationships with family members are sustainable as well stay with us meteorologist don day joins us next as we take a look at our long-term weather we'll be back on the working ranch radio show after this And welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. Justin Mills here with you as we continue now with taking a look at our long-term weather. Joining us is meteorologist Don Day with a look at our weather. And, you know, Don, just our, our particular country, and I know we try to cover the whole the whole area when we when we talk long-term weather here on the show, but we've been abnormally cool here, and, and I'm not complaining by any means, but one of the things we're seeing, and you say that as we look into the rest of August, we could continue to see this trend, is some of the pacific fronts that's pushing uh, those lows down on down into the into the US is going to continue to maybe make our northern part of the US a little cooler, southern part warmer.
3: Yeah, what we're we're seeing is uh, is a pattern that we tend to see in late August where we start to see the jet stream up in those higher latitudes of Canada and across the north pacific get a little more active, a little more busy and there's good reason for that by late August, you start to have much shorter days and longer nights up there, and you start to cool things off. And uh, that tends to start to produce more fronts and a more active jet stream. But it seems to be off to about a two to three weeks start a little bit earlier. And so we're seeing these uh, vigorous Pacific fronts. And in this past week, we had one of those go across British Columbia, Alberta, then across the Central and Northern Rockies and in the Midwest, and it cooled things off and brought a lot of severe weather. But what these fronts are doing, and we do see more of them coming through, we've got one this weekend, we've got another one the middle to the end of next week. This is going to mean the northern tier of the U.S. Um, from the eastern parts of the Pacific Northwest through the Great Lakes and then across the Corn Belt, then into the central and western high plains. Uh, temperatures are, are going to cool down with these fronts. There'll be warm ups between them. But the, the the warmth, the heat in the desert states and the southern plains is going to kind of stay bottled up. Uh, when these fronts come through, there will be an expansion of the heat northward, only to be get beaten down again. Mm-hmm. So we'll continue with the heat from Florida to Texas and across the desert southwest. But it's going to be suppressed into those areas. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the country, really, 70 uh, percent of it. Is going to be affected by this more active northerly jet stream mm-hmm.
0: as you look in into the next month or so out do you do you see anything in our weather pattern that's going to shift a bit and maybe take some of this relief off of the su- the south part of the country that's seen severe heat do you see anything uh looking ahead that could shift that weather pattern a bit
3: Well, a little bit. I mean, when these fronts are coming through, they're knocking that that heat a little bit more south every time. But that that southern high is going to be stubborn through the rest of the month and into early September. Now, eventually, these fronts are going to start to win out as you just start to get them stronger. Where I do see relief is maybe for the southeastern United States, uh, for for, I think, Kansas, Oklahoma, parts of eastern texas are going to catch some of these cool fronts coming on through but we also see you know to 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 look at you know the the heat i i think the worst of the heat this summer is probably over there will be some resurgence of it towards the second half of august in the in the desert southwest but i think we're we're kind of at that time of year where the the real significant heat waves that the south has seen this year i think they're done that's not to say that we've got some hot weather to go through, but I do see uh, the end of August into early September, these these funnel systems uh, you know, being active. So mm-hmm. I, what that's gonna mean is uh, that uh, we're going to have probably uh, an early start to fall across a good tier of the US. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And that's one of the things. in when I'm in conversation with folks is, is, as we've seen spe- specifically the northern tier of the country, we will maybe use the I-70, 80 corridor corridors or north south split in there. But wondering with the coolness that we have seen in the northern tier of the country, is that foretelling of a severe winter?
3: Well, it's, it's hard to make direct connections between, let's say, a, a cool summer and a severe winter. Um, one thing that that we do tend to see, I think the connections are, are much easier to say that a wet spring uh, will usually mean a cooler summer, mm-hmm. and certainly that's been the case this year. Um, as we change into the fall season, um, what makes a summer cool and wet does not make the okay. does not necessarily the same pattern make a let's say a harsh winter. Sure, um, just because there's a lot going on with the with the shorter nights and the longer days and the changing sea surface temperature conditions, there's a lot of moving parts. However, with that being said, um, we're getting some pretty significant indications, some signals, strong signals, let's just say that uh, do point to a colder winter across a large part of the United States and one that is likely going to be snowier as well. If Mm -hmm. if we rewind to last winter, last winter was really centered in terms of the harshest winter conditions in the West and the far southwest a lot of the middle part of the country and the east coast really did not have a severe winter at all mm-hmm. this winter i think is going to be more spread out i i guess uh the winter love <laughs> will be dispersed for more folks so it'll the 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 harsher winter conditions will cover more geography this winter mm-hmm. it may not be necessarily centered so concentrated like it was last year, yeah. but more spread out.
0: Yeah. Well, good and bad to that. Uh, as I've always said, I, it's always nice for us when we have more of an open winter. It's a little cheaper to, to winter cows on grass that way, but we do need moisture too. So it's kind of a catch 22. And I guess if, if I could pick, let's just say let's have a nice open winter till about February. And then if it needs to snow in March and April, we'll handle it then. Right.
3: <laughs> well, you should have should have told me that a week ago then I would have got your order. Oh, in the top. okay. That's, yeah, how that
0: <laughs> that's, that's how that works. That's how that works. I didn't even think about that. All right. Well, we'll I'll take one to go and we'll, we'll see what we can there do. There you go. All right. Well, thanks for joining us with a look at our weather. Thank you. You bet. And again, that is meteorologist Don Day with a look at our long-term weather. If you want to tune in each and every morning to take a listen to his video podcast, complete with pictures and everything, it gives you a pretty good idea of what the weather outlook is for across the country. You can go to his website at dayweather weather.com it's also where you can go if you're looking maybe for some weather stations or other weather paraphernalia things that he's got on there you can go to his website as well and take a look at what he's got there well stay with us coming up next i'm going to give you an idea what's in store for next week's edition of the working ranch radio show speaking of weather hint hint stay tuned i'll tell you what's coming up on next week's show and others we're working on when we return here on the working ranch radio show A sustainable ranch is one that can do more with less, and for beef producers it can start right at the herd level with a cow that's efficient with her resources and environment. And in today's modern industry, Gelvy females are the picture of sustainability. Gelvy and Balancer cattle are early maturing with maternal superiority through increased longevity, added fertility, and more pounds of calf wean per cow exposed. Adaptable versatile and sustainable all factors that have a positive impact on your bottom line gelvey influenced females the smart reliable and profitable maternal choice for achieving sustainability in today's modern beef industry be sustainable breed gelvey Well, coming up on next week's edition of the Working Ranch Radio Show, if you clued in on the hint that I left you in the last segment, yeah, you probably are thinking Don Day. Meteorologist Don Day will be our guest next week with his new updated long-term weather outlook for the fall and winter for North America. And he'll also be telling us about a YouTube video that he'll have out in conjunction with that. So be sure to tune in next week. Also, later on in shows that we're working on, Oklahoma State University will be talking with those folks on their research project on virtual fencing, and the King Ranch Institute will be in here as we're going to be talking with them about what are the skills that ranch managers need to possess in today's modern industry. So, all of those coming up here on future shows. Well, the Working Ranch Radio Show is a production of Working Ranch Magazine, branded number one by America's Ranchers. You can get your subscription started today by going to workingranchmag.com. Join us next week. I'm your host, Justin Mills, and until next time, keep your chin down and your mind in the middle so long